0: Are the humans of the earth ever going to stand up for themselves against the Decepticons? We're gonna find that out this time on Energon Entries. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Energon Entries. As always, this is your host, Matt Freitz. This is episode six as we go through generation one of the Transformers episodes. Last time we talked about episode five, which was roll for it. And at the end of that episode, I had a lot of questions as to whether the humans and the Autobots were ever going to get together and combine their efforts to basically ensure themselves ways that they could defeat the Decepticons, because to this point, it seems like everybody is very reactive. So as we head into this next episode, which is called Divide and Conquer, we're hoping that maybe these two factions can get together so that they can have something against the Decepticons. Well, the episode opens with Earth's militaries mass producing weapons to combat their common enemy, which is the Decepticons. The ironic part, Is the Autobots are behind this, they are helping them. And we open the episode as well, seeing the Seekers, which seems to happen pretty frequently. I think that Megatron sends them out a lot to go do their bidding, and so they are attacking a plant, which is where a lot of these mass-produced weapons are being produced. When they find out that the Seekers are attacking one of the plants that are producing these weapons, Prime and Spike go to save the day. Prime ends up saving the humans from an exploding computer after a battle that ensues within the factory. The Decepticons take advantage of this and shoot and mortally wound Optimus Prime to the point that the Autobots have to take him back to headquarters in order to repair him. As the Autobots are repairing him, Laserbeak once again sneaks into Autobot headquarters and shoots Optimus Prime in the chest as he is laying there on the table. This causes a chain reaction and an explosion. And after Laserbeak attacks, the Autobots tell us that Optimus Prime needs a new Cosmotron in order to keep him alive. And where is this Cosmotron? It is on Cybertron in Wheeljack's lab. Wheeljack's lab, which has been taken over by the Decepticons and is locked from Autobot access. Chip ends up using Teletran 1 to find the Space Bridge. He, Spike, and a group of Autobots use the Space Bridge and go to Cybertron in order to obtain the Cosmotron from Wheeljack's lab. While there... They find the Cosmotron but are incapacitated by acid rain, an idea that Megatron has, and he uses the Seekers that are on Cybertron to shoot these red clouds and cause this acid rain. And this renders the Autobots incapacitated and basically unable to move. After a back and forth with the Decepticons, the Autobots end up being inspired by Chip Chase's speech. Trailbreaker and Blue Streak help to stop the acid rain, defeat the Seekers, and the Autobots are able to return to Earth with the Cosmotron. Once there, Chip, Wheeljack, and Ratchet fully fix Prime, and Prime ends up winning a duel against Megatron to scatter the Decepticons, because the Decepticons at this point have decided this is the time they're going to cripple the Autobots for good, and they attack the Ark in hopes of doing so. At the end of the episode, Starscream claims leadership again, and the Autobots win the day. This wasn't a terrible episode, as a matter of fact, it got to some of the things that I had been asking myself in previous episodes, more specifically the last episode, as to when are humans and Autobots going to work together? And so this is kind of how we start this, where the Autobots are working together, and this is great. We also see that the leader of the Autobots is able to be hurt as Optimus Prime finds himself in dire straits, which is awesome. This is the episode where we welcome back the awesome narrator to kind of catch us up on things that have happened since then, because it seems as if there is another time jump and all this mass producing of weapons needs a little bit of contextual background. The world is making more weapons to combat the Decepticons. Now, interestingly enough, they're making traditional weapons to do so. And while they are going to mass produce them, are these weapons going to be capable of actually defeating the Decepticons. One thing that this show doesn't get into too in-depth, is the kind of weapons that are being produced by humans at this point on Earth. Also, we don't get much of an insight into what the relationships are between the different countries in the world at this time on Earth. Now, this is the 80s, so theoretically this is at the end of the Cold War or during part of the Cold War, and you would think that the United States has a lot of big weapons on hand because they have been producing them during the Cold War to combat the USSR at this time. My other question is, why does it seem like Laserbeak is able to get everywhere that he wants to get to? I've asked this in a couple of episodes now, and it seems like Autobot headquarters is the easiest place to break into. Teletran 1 can do a lot of things. Chip was able to use Teletran to find the space bridge, but for some reason... Teletran isn't able to detect when a Decepticon gets into the base. I do not understand this, and this is a continuity thing that kind of bothers me to an extent because you have to ask yourself, if this is the most powerful computer in the world, how is it unable to figure out that the same Decepticon continues to get into Autobot headquarters unchecked? You also find out in the fight leading up to this with the Seekers that Optimus Prime is clearly more powerful than a lot of the underling Decepticons because he gets there, he's outnumbered three to one and is able to defeat them. The only thing that defeats him is once again his propensity to save the humans over the mission and in doing so ends up being mortally wounded by these Seekers because they take advantage of the opportunity, which of course they're going to. The Decepticons always do this, but Optimus Prime's nice nature essentially makes him vulnerable to attack. We do get a little bit more insight into Autobot life on Cybertron as we find out that Wheeljack had a lab there and we find out that it has some of the things from his past. And that's interesting because if the Decepticons take it over, it's been, what, four million years? You'd think that they would have cleaned it out by now. But no, it's just there. It's locked. And they're thinking that I guess the Autobots are never going to come back. There's no reason to look into it. There's no reason to take anything from it that would help the Decepticons in their battle to win Cybertron. So the Autobots have an opportunity to go back and I guess exploit one of the mistakes that the Decepticons have made. The Decepticons seem to make a lot of mistakes like this, but that's something that we'll watch over the course of time. What I like is that the Autobots use the Space Bridge, but what's interesting is that they use it after it had just been opened. Now, in the previous episode where they unveiled the Space Bridge, we found out that the Space Bridge has particular times that it can be opened and used. And so the Space Bridge is used by the Decepticons, and then all of a sudden, the Autobots are able to use it right on the heels of that. So I guess we don't know if it's some sort of time continuum or some time space where we know, oh, it's open for two hours or three hours or what have you. So the Autobots take advantage of this and are able to use it. So that's maybe a continuity issue, but I'm not sure. I just found it interesting. You also see a first sighting of new Seekers as Cybertonian jets. Now, we saw them in the pilot, and we know that that's what they look like, but we see different colored ones. We don't get a name for them. They just seem to be sort of underlings that are working for Shockwave on Cybertron, but they're able to be communicated with by Megatron. An interesting thing, because I didn't even know they existed up until this point. And so you get a little bit more of a backstory of, what the Decepticons are doing on Cybertron, and it seems as if there are more Decepticons on Cybertron that can help in this war than there are Autobots. Because I will tell you, up until this point, we haven't seen one Autobot on Cybertron yet. Only the Autobots that have traveled there by necessity through the Space Bridge. So that's an interesting thing. Now, acid rain, from what I understand in today's world, would actually be harmful to humans. So this acid rain that affects the Autobots to such an extent that they can't even move doesn't affect Chip at all. Now, Chip is in a wheelchair. Chip is a human. He's an organic being. So you'd think that acid rain on a metallic planet would actually have more of an effect on him, but it doesn't seem to do anything. He seems to sort of be just okay during all of this. And his speech is very impassioned and he gets Trailbreaker to try to do something to prevent them from being incapacitated. And that allows the other Autobots to be good enough to stop all of this so that they can get back to Earth. Just an interesting thing there with Chip being pretty much fine with acid rain i would think that overall chip would actually have a major problem with that and need to get out of there we are six episodes into this show and the decepticons have finally decided to attack the autobot base the decepticon base is a lot larger it's underwater it's harder to get to so i understand why the autobots wouldn't necessarily attack it but at this point you know where the arc is it's very very small you'd think the decepticons would have tried to go there by now so they picked the right time to do so when the autobot leader is incapacitated and i think it's actually a pretty bold strategy move and just because it didn't work out, which of course it's not going to work out because this is a show where the good guys win in the end of every episode. I thought it was actually very smart of Megatron to do so because they were trying to kick them while they were down which of course is what every single bad guy does. But in this fight where Optimus Prime is saved and Optimus Prime comes out, he challenges Megatron to a duel under what is called Warrior Code in the episode. This is again more insight into Cybertronian lore and Cybertronian life and I actually kind of like that because there are rules. These are not just robots that are existing with chaos all around them. They have a code, they have a creed, and that tells me that prior to Megatron broke a lot of those when he started the war. And that gives you some insight into how the Decepticons got where they are, how Megatron is who he is, and how Optimus Prime once again goes back to what is most important to him, and that is honor, integrity, and things of this nature. And so this allows him to challenge Megatron unchallenged and be able to win the day for the Autobots. Once again, the Autobots are able to save the day. They are every single time. In this case, they are once again reactive as they find out, hey, this is a little bit weird. That's what's going on here. And we need to be able able to save Optimus Prime. Again, the Autobots and the Decepticons are here on Earth after crash landing, but you'd think that they would have a little bit more after all this time has passed. Now that they know that they're on this planet for good, they could somehow be able to have the resources that they need to save people when they need to because they're able to fix everybody. Up until this point, all the Autobots that have been wounded have been able to be saved very, very easily. But when it comes to Optimus Prime, it seems like even though he can take on three Seekers at once, he was shot up in a way that needed to be saved with something unsubstant Cybertron so again they're trying to add drama to this you know that Optimus Prime is not going to die in this episode but they did a pretty good job of actually giving you some of that drama and you kind of wondered for a minute because let me tell you when Laserbeak shot him, the explosion, you'd think that Optimus Prime wouldn't be there. Again, over-exaggerated 80s narration. Totally cool with that. Honestly, I thought this was a good episode because I thought that this episode got into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty, the nuances of what make the Transformers the Transformers, more strategic moves, needing to go back into their past to save the day, and all that stuff. I think it gave you a little bit more insight, and it's opening more doors. That's what I said about the Space Bridge in episode four, is that introducing it was going to allow for a lot more story avenues. And I Think we're seeing that with this episode. So, the space bridge is obviously going to be an integral part of episodes moving forward. If I had to give this episode a rating, I would actually probably give it a four and a half, even though, once again, Laserbeak can do whatever he wants. Other than that, though, they built drama. There was a really nice battle. Optimus Prime saves the day, and you got just more than your standard issue episode. What did you think of this episode when you watched it? Get in touch with me. MattyICemedia at gmail.com is the email to find me. There is no social media for this podcast just yet. I'm just having fun. I'm not trying to break any new ground with this podcast. I'm just having fun watching the old episodes and talking about them with you. I hope that this finds you well. I hope that this finds you safe. And I will talk to you next time. This is Energon Entries. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Energon Entries are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Energon Entries is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.